Hello and welcome to Ayumi's podcast. Joining me today is Ayumi Secretary General Lars Langer, and we will be discussing the increasingly concerning issue of container losses at sea. Hi, Lars, and welcome. Good afternoon, Katerina. Thanks for the opportunity. In a nutshell, what is the issue with containers being lost at sea? Thank you, Katerina. So, SIUMI, as International Marine Insurers Association, we have always seen losses of containers at sea. That's part of the business. That's the way it goes. But, however, particularly within the last few months, but Moreover, not to say within the last two, three years, we have seen a massively increasing number of container losses at sea. And this made us considering where the root causes are for this and moreover, what could be done to get hold of this increasing problem. So to start with a few numbers, maybe uh, if I may quote the World Shipping Council, which is the association of the liner shipping industry, container ship owners, they issue every other year a report on containers lost at sea based on a survey made with their members, which is more than 90% of, of container vessels, 6,000 vessels. So what the WSC says is that we have about 226 million containers underway a year. What the WSC has found out in its way as well is that if you take a time span from 2008 to 2019, you have an average number of containers lost at sea at about 1,380. Compared to these mentioned 220 million containers underway, this appears to be a slightly minor number. But however, as I mentioned in the beginning, starting from early 2019 with the MSC Zoe, which might be in mind for many of our listeners today. Since then, we faced for one incident about 280 to 300 lost containers at sea close to the coast of northern Germany and the Netherlands. And then we had a real major incident in November 2020 with a one Apus, which lost in one event reportedly about 1,800 containers. Then we had two events in January, the Mask Essen with about 750 containers, the MSC Arius with about 40 containers. We've seen very recently in February the Mask Eindhoven with 260 containers. And this is all very clearly above the reported average of WSC. And this is what made us thinking how to how to address that. Thank you. And and what are the root causes of this? So as far as we see this today, and this does not necessarily make things easier, there is a number of root causes which have to be addressed in this context and which are already addressed to a degree, but obviously not successfully enough. So Maybe to start with, again, there is a slight fear that the wrong declaration of container weights might still be an issue. So we, we had a very good and successful initiative some years ago in the meantime at the IMO, which led to a resolution, resolution 380.94, came into force 2014, setting in place a mandatory reporting system for the so-called VGM, the gross mass, the validated gross mass of containers to every shipper. So that's in place. Nevertheless, it looks like not everywhere is complied with this still. So that might be an issue. 
Another issue which we fear is relevant in this regard is still the poor packaging of containers not complying with the provisions of the CTU code. If the container is poorly stuffed, if the goods in the container are not sufficiently secured, this leads to instability and this can cause forces on the whole container stack, which might let this container stack collapse. So that's certainly a reason as well. Next step, that would be the third one, is now as before also the fear that we have insufficient stowing of the containers on board not complying with the IMO CSS code. So that could be an issue that the lashing is not is not compliant, that is not complied, for example, with a stowage plan set up for this particular vessel. So that could be the case. Next one that would be that would be the fourth one, which we think about is in non-compliance with existing ISO standards. So we have two standards. One is 1161 on corner castings. The other one is ISO 3874 on lashing equipment. These two are in place. They have been updated only a few years ago. But the assumption is as well that we have to look into this that we have not sufficient compliance with these standards. And as a fifth and final reason, this is maybe the most comprehensive one, the fear is that this is also connected to design issues with the container vessels. But this is too early to say this finally. What we are monitoring, and not only us, this is known, of course, is the increasing size of container vessels, uh, also with increasing forces, of course, due to the size to the container stacks on board. A theory which we hear currently is that vessels are usually calculated in their stability for a full capacity, for 100% capacity on board, all container stacks and places laid out. That was not necessarily always the case, and this may have led to less incidents. In the recent month in the pandemic, we do see in the market that most container vessels are operating at full capacity, means the calculated maximum strength on board might be reached now, and this might lead to an increasing number of incidents, combined with heavy weather, of course, combined with other factors, but this might be a cause. And this is something where we simply have to look into this. This is certainly not the core competence of marine insurers to assess the design issues, but this is where we have very well working relations to other stakeholders in the business, class in particular, of course, and others. So this is where we where we see the root causes and where we intend to have a closer look in. Thank you, thank you. And what is the impact of these losses on marine insurance? Does this create an increasing accumulation of risk as container ships are constantly being built larger and larger? Yeah, thanks, Katerina. Yeah, th- this could be the case, of course. This could be the case. No? We have larger container vessels, as already mentioned. We have an increasing number of containers on board. We have larger stacks, which can collapse, as we see in the numbers, which I mentioned in the beginning. So this may also lead to to higher claims numbers. There is a very good report recently being published by a marine insurer by the Swedish club on this. 31 pages, really recommendable, very good report. And they start with some statistics from their books. And what they say that containers lost at sea in their books are for 4% of the claims, but for 10% 
of of the overall claims amount. So that gives you a smell how serious it is. So that's one aspect. The other aspect in this regard, beyond the sheer numbers and, and claims amounts, is of course that it would be too simple to see marine insurance here simply as, as the paying party for existing claims. We do moreover see ourselves as a service provider to our clients and we see it as our core competency to mitigate risks and claims. And this is where also Ayumi comes, of course, into the play. This is why we consider how to mitigate these claims, how to reduce these claims. And this is not a standalone action by Ayumi. This is one for the whole industry. Thank you. Thank you. And do you find the industry responding well to these incidents? Could more be done? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Well, the, the awareness is high to start with. I think that is obvious. We see a lot of media coverage currently on the topic. We see a lot of publications, uh, whether this is insurance, whether this is class, whether this is ship owners themselves. So the awareness is high. And we see a number of current initiatives. I have mentioned earlier initiatives in place like the, the container weights, the corner casting, lashing equipment, ISO standards, and so on. That's all in place. But nevertheless, we do also see recent new initiatives to address this. To mention only two or three, there is one paper at the International Maritime Organization, which will be discussed in May this year in MSC 103 that had been published by Vanuatu, but is supported by many market participants. And that is a consideration which goes in a direction that it says we have to facilitate the detection, reporting, positioning, tracking, and recording of containers lost at sea. To put it in a nutshell, that is about tracking containers and to report the tracked signals, which containers have gone overboard, where are they, how can we get hold of these containers. So that's an initiative, and Yumi will certainly support to that initiative with its own opinion. That will be a debate which most likely might lead into a new output at IMO and into an IMO working group or correspondence group which will work on solutions for that. We see an industry initiative which has its roots in the the Netherlands, which is called Top Tier Joint Industry Project that is scheduled for three years. It's about securing container cargo safety in the same direction that's very recently coming from a slightly different angle. We have an intact stability code at IMO that has been come into place 2004 or 2008, a bit unsure about that. And there is currently nearly finalized and approved already by the IMO a new interim guideline for second generation of intact stability criteria. And that goes already exactly in the direction of design issues, which I mentioned a bit earlier. So what is the rolling of of the vessel in different directions about? What are the forces caused uh, by this rolling to container stacks and and, uh, other parts of the vessel? So that's all underway. I guess what we have to work on currently, given the cases which I mentioned in the beginning, is, is to consider together, is this sufficient? How do we coordinate that? How can one most efficiently deal with these issues to come to a solution and not only in, say, one or two decades, but as soon as possible? It might also be about crew training and other things. Not saying that crew is responsible for that, but when it comes to to lashing and other things, of course, there is also a human element in there. 
Of course, thank you. And finally, what is Ayumi's position on container losses? And moving forward, what are the next steps? Mm, thank you, Katerina. Well, actually, I, I touched already on a, on a few things. What we currently do internally at Ayumi is that we are discussing this and that we intend to come up with a structured approach. So our loss prevention committee, which are the experts internal, internally on that, are currently working on a paper which will enable us to to have a more educated picture of what this really is about. Our policy forum, which is defining our lobbying strategy, will based on that recommend to our executive committee concrete action. What we actually will do is not come up with some, as, as I mentioned, standalone demands, but we will network with our friends and partners from other associations and from the regulatory side. So one example we have established a few years ago, an annual meeting with IACS, the International Association of Classification Societies, a technical meeting, bilateral IACS and IUMI every year in late spring. And this is something where we are this year in May will high on a high level discuss with IACS where we see the causes, where we see need or possibility for action that will be done. We will discuss this with our friends from the ship owning side, the BIMCO Maritime Safety and Security Committee, for example, where we have the possibility to, to get the word and also with other associations. We will join the debate, which I mentioned at the IMO during MSC 103. And that's how the, the way develops. No? We, it's a bit too early for us to concretely say Yumi is demanding A, B, C, but we are underway to work on that and we are in a fruitful, hopefully fruitful dialogue with our partners from other industry stakeholders to develop solutions together. Thank you, Lars. Thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today and summing up this concerning issue. From us, we would like to say thank you again and goodbye. Thank you very much, Katerina. Goodbye. <laughs>